0: This isn't about talking about our problems or trying to get people on board. This is about taking a few minutes to invest in these people every week because they're investing a huge part of their lives in this company. So how can we give back? How can we invest in them? Yeah, it'll make the company better, but guess what? It's going to make their life better. They make better choices, not just here. Because so many times I saw when people are making not so great choices at work, or doing things I wish they weren't doing, when I found out the rest of the story, there was so much more involved in their personal life. And if I could help them out at that level, and not by telling them what to do, but by allowing them a few minutes of self-reflection and self-revelation, that Mm -hmm. is huge, huge. People felt like I cared about them. People felt like the company cared about them, and it made a huge difference in their engagement.
1: Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy
2: today's featured message. Hi, how's it going? It's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with my friend Tanya Miller from Anti Virus Youth Program. So I met Tanya and learned about antivirus back all the way in 2012. Seems like old generation ago. And it hasn't been that long, just the older I get, the faster life goes, right? But uh, I was blown away when we first met you back then, and I know I got to talk to you last year doing an audio podcast, and some of the stuff that you guys are doing is fantastic. You just want to share a little bit pre-COVID of what antivirus youth, I know it's changed a little bit now, but just share a little bit about what you've guys done the last four or five years with youth around high schools and middle schools.
1: Yeah. So actually, when we met Mike in 2012, that was our first year that we went into a public school setting with the antivirus youth material. So we are a a secular program that we go into private schools. We mostly public schools is what we go into, but but you know we can have Catholic schools and pick us up too. But athletic teams. But really, our focus was not business and government, which is another sector of our organization. So we're like an arm of that organization. And that adult program is called Global Priority or Global Priority Solutions. And you can go to globalpriority.org to check out the adult version of these values, these character values we're talking about in the classroom.
2: For those of you who may have never heard of Global Priority Solutions, you probably heard of John Maxwell. Mm
1: -hmm. And John
2: Maxwell sits on the board, correct? Just to give someone some kind of parameter of what they're dealing with there. Right. A lot of leadership, a right, lot of right. value-based so principles. So you can
1: see John is in our book. Yep. Absolutely. He's on our advisory board. Yeah. So absolutely.
2: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So if if you're looking for more business, like she said, check that out. Just Google Global Priority Solutions. Fantastic principles and value-based leadership material. So
1: yeah. They're they're doing tons of training actually on Zoom and You know, because of the pandemic right now, everybody's had to get creative. And so you can go to that website and learn about that adult program. So we focus on the schools. Like I'm antivirus youth and I focus on the school system. And so our focus is mostly middle school. Okay, so between Mm -hmm. that sixth and eighth grade. Now we developed a high school program and that's called Regeneration. And we have a fourth grade material called Defenders. But really what we found in the U.S. but also here in Ohio is educators said, you know, we're great at elementary level. Do good. Mm-hmm. Be kind. Work hard. Right. Be generous. But when and then in high school, you get tons of prevention. Right. You remember. Right. Dare. Don't drink and drive. You right. know, remember the AIDS pandemic? You know, that was the AIDS yeah. generation We. We grew up in that. We didn't know what it was, but nobody wanted to get it. Prevention programs. Those are called prevention programs. The uh, prom promise, you know, all of that I stuff. I remember that. Yeah, I remember the prom promise. You had to sign Little it. pen.
2: You got the little pen. You, you got the pen. pen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so high school was great because now you have the don't texting stuff. You have the opioids. You know, of course, you have a lot of people that get into coming in and talking about drug prevention. Of course, abstinence programs, but high schools are good at that stuff. But it was that middle school, that middle school uh, age that character development just kind of fell by the wayside. And so here we had no idea we were fitting a need of filling Mm -hmm. a hole in the school system in 2012. So we had three schools by the relationship of our, our educational consultant who is a retired superintendent. Through his relationship, he said, I can open three schools for you. Just to run a pilot. You know, we need to see if this is going to work. If this works, then maybe we'll grow. Right. We have 545 students in that 2012. And now to date, we have over 10,000 school
3: systems. Wow. Or
1: 10,000 students, over, over 90 school systems that have brought in uh, the antivirus youth education program. And why is it called antivirus, right? I mean, right. why, what is this antivirus? Well, nobody wants a computer virus. right? Because it it slows everything down.
3: Right. But our Mm -hmm.
1: minds are like computer systems. And when our minds are like a computer system, we need to deprogram sometimes. We need to take out what the junk that's in there. So that's why it's called antivirus. We were not named for this pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And that's what everybody thinks now. Well, every year, trust me. You guys
2: get more hits on your website now because... COVID nineteen, they're coming up. I need an antivirus they're looking for vitamin C or something, they come That's and get you. That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs> and what's so crazy is that every year mentoring, we had something that the media was gonna tell us was going to impact us. Like we had H one N with the first year we started with with H one N one. Right. And it was avian flu. And then we went into Ebola every because kiss would say, We'd say, Why do you think we're here? Let me hold up this book. Why do you think we're here? And they're like, you're here to talk to us about Ebola. You're <laughs> here to talk to us about the science world. Because what we witnessed right. is for years, did we ever think we would actually be facing a true pandemic and right. like we are now. So are we made for the time? I'm not sure, but I do know this, that through connecting with the students this year, it was a great tool to introduce the program. We're not here to talk about that virus. But some kids, this became a shield, like, they shut down. They were like, Oh, and it was like, our mentor was like, okay, we can't, we're not even gonna talk about the virus anymore. And so we really have to take that seriously for this next season where we're in because in our, in our 10,000 students. Okay. So in a Northeast Ohio, we are probably about 80, 75 to 80 school systems. A third of them have let us as a mentor wow. to teach that program.
3: That's fantastic. So
1: we're thankful. A third of us said, Mm-mm, no. And then another third said only online. So we can, we use videos. We had to do like quick little videos and the teacher just let it. So our program is mentorship. And so that's what we train mentors to go out from the outside of the community inside of the school system between sixth and eighth grade to teach this program.
2: You mm-hmm. guys are focused on character and you guys yeah. have certain particular traits or principles you just want to kind of name off a few of those just to give people an idea of what it is that you're actually teaching yeah. kids when you show up to mm-hmm. a school.
1: Sure. So volume one, uh, which is the platform where most of our schools, will, yeah, of course, start out at. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first value the students talk about is ambition. If you don't have a goal in life, then you don't know where you want to be and mm-hmm. you don't know where you want to aim for. And so we talk about what ambition not only is, but what it looks like because you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, they're like, they can read the word ambition, some of them. They're like, but what does it actually look like in my life? Yeah. Well, it's going home and doing your homework right away.
3: Mm-hmm. It's putting
1: things like this to the side, shutting it off and saying, I'm not gonna do anything else until I finish this homework, okay? It's getting up and doing the dishes the first time your mom asks, right? So getting out of bed when your alarm goes off and not having a a parent saying, get out of bed, get out of bed. Mm -hmm. So we set goals with them. So the second one we talk about is responsibility. So you have ambition and then you have responsibility that connects with that. And when you have responsibility that connects with that, it's really important that, so it's, it threads together. Then we have hard work and then we have emotions. We have restraint. We have common sense and generosity. So we always end with something really fun and light with the students. Then we have a a volume two, a volume three that we're developing and getting ready to print. Actually, I think this week we're getting ready to uh, print our volume three and then we have a high school program. So that's what the antivirus program looks like. And then a mentor delivers that in the classroom. Talks about those specific character values one day a week for 10 sessions is what we ask for.
2: So Tanya, Tanya, before we get into some of Don's stuff about Generation Z, which I think is real crucial, what are you seeing out in schools? Because the series we're doing is really trying to focus in on stress and it's targeted both for employers and our personal life. And what we see is that the world's combined, right? They flow into one. And we like to say, don't bring that stuff to work. But the reality is, we do, you know, and we try not to sometimes in professionalism. But the truth is, it affects us either way, right? And so a lot of parents out there, especially with the stress of teaching from home and trying to balance out work and careers and with kids and going back and forth with COVID-19. The family structure is really a main stressor, particular relationships with those young, middle school, high school age kids. And so a lot of parents have lost hope. They're like, there's nothing I could do. They've already learned it. They learned this at school. They learned this from there. But you're seeing a different picture. So what are you seeing in schools when you're in there that could give those parents hope and say, hey, it's, it's they're really not as lost as you may think they are?
1: Well, I think students are number one. We have come to find out they want to talk about things. Okay, they want to talk about what they're experiencing. They don't necessarily want to talk about the pandemic, but they want to talk about how they're emotionally processing. And so far this year, we've had some really interesting dialogue with our mentors saying that the students want to voice their opinion. They want to... A safe in a safe way. And then I think also the mentors, what they're finding out is with the wisdom that they're bringing in is, you know what, this won't last forever. History has shown that this won't last forever, although it feels like a forever process to have forward thinking. And I know for us as adults, we're all struggling to have forward thinking because here's the thing. Okay, let's focus on a trip that we thought we would go to Disney this year, right? Well, that was taken away from us. We would like to think we could go next year, but we don't know if we can. And so it's hard to have those markers in your face to say, okay, let's think forward. But really, there's a generation that has gone through things. And it's like, for Generation Z, this would be great grandparents, but if they're still alive. But having conversations with my grandparents, who I'm fortunate they're near 90, they're still alive. They're weathering this well because they have Mm -hmm. weathered a lot of things. You know, they grew up in the depression they knew what it was like to have just baloney and bread wonder bread
2: i'm definitely you know. I'm not part of that generation <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they weathered it
2: right they did so yes
1: they weathered it and so when you talk to them they're it's like it'll be okay like there is a right. very strong resounding voice of like you know what it's the season we'll get through it and we have Wi-Fi. <laughs> we can have right. Wi-Fi. You can still get your groceries. You know, my grandma was like, I remember at Christmas, I was just telling my daughter this. I remember at Christmas, my, my daddy would go to the grocery store because one time a year, a semi-truck would come in on Christmas Eve and bring in oranges. And we would all get one orange in our stocking on Christmas Eve. And we got to eat this orange. And I'm like, I know my daughter is telling her, she's like, what you don't have
2: right <laughs> so you mentioned something earlier though tanya that i really want to kind of go back and just hit that real quick you mentioned programming our minds i think that's such an important aspect of what global priority solutions and antivirus youth us that i think employers could really take advantage of and us as parents is really you know when you look at it our conscious mind programs our subconscious mind i like to think of a to say like our conscious mind is the screen on our phones on our iPhones and the iOS system is our subconscious mind and many people don't realize that you know and so what happens is we program by what we focus on just like if you see uh you know I bought a GMC Acadia off my uncle a few years back and I never even heard of a GMC Acadia and I told my wife I don't even think these things are on the road I don't think they exist if he didn't own one I wouldn't even know they're out there and so I remember driving down the road, and I had this impulse to look to the left, and behold, a GMC Acadia was on the road. I'm like, "Well, there's two I've seen." And then I'd look to the right, and there's another one. And I'm like, "Okay." And then you know, I know people get caught up in the law of attraction and all these different mystical things, but really, it's it's your brain, and you focus on it because you're. Gonna, I was going to buy it, and then my brain starts. It's like pop-up ads. Hey, Mike, look to the left. Look to the right. And literally, we program ourselves. So a lot of our decision making comes from that programming when we go to respond our subconscious mind pops up these this is how we handle this situation this is how we handle that this is what we do and I've noticed with dieting exercise budgeting and all these different things literally the initial phase is the hardest but once we start to reprogram ourselves it's like for a season we become double-minded because you know for 20 30 40 years we programmed ourselves one way and then we're giving ourselves the healthy habit and there's there's a timetable there until our subconscious switches over. So, I guess what I'm leading all that into is when you guys talk about having ambition, having character, hard work, you know, all these different things, respect for other people and integrity and all these things. And, Don, this kind of applies to what you do as well. But, Tanya, like, what are you seeing for these kids that they're receptive? Like, a lot of parents would think if I go sit down and talk to my kid about leadership or ambition, they're going to laugh at me and want to talk about, uh, I don't even know who's popular pop star anymore. I still, you know, think about sublime and Nirvana and it's been, you know, four years probably since I don't even know who the cool, I mean, whatever it is or the the next viral video they're going to talk about. I sound like such an old fogey, I swear. But they're receptive to this character development training, aren't they? I mean, you're going in schools with their friends and you're getting their attention like that. And they're real receptive. Why do you think that is?
1: Because we're allowing them space to express their feelings. And I really think that's that's the most important thing that everybody needs to hear is to allow your your student, your child Mm. to express their feelings. And it's not like, hey, you good? You got homework? You good? Like, it's like, no, how are you doing? Like, how are you feeling? And if they're not open to talk to you, then to encourage to find somebody to talk to that they can trust, whether it's a, you know, somebody in the community, a youth leader, your aunt. You know, maybe you have a better connection with your aunt or your mom's friend, but to have an ability to talk to somebody that you trust. And and in most of our values, like part of our action steps, it would be find somebody that you can trust. And, you know, a lot of them are coaches, but it is addressing that need. Like, how are you doing? I want to be sensitive on how I say this. Somebody that I'm very well aware of, very close to in my life, their son was having a hard time breathing, So Booked an appointment, took him to the pediatrician and asked dad to leave the room. And dad left the room for a short period of time. A pediatrician asked a bunch of questions Are you afraid of COVID? Are you afraid of getting a virus? Are you afraid of somebody dying? How are you doing in school? Blah, 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 blah. Brought in the dad after the questions and said, You know what? This is just stress related because of the changes in the school system. And the pediatrician said, Listen, literally said this Listen, son. You are not one in six in your classroom that feel like this. You're one in two. And so in the past, in one day, I have 30 patients. Six of these patients will be kids your age who have the exact same feelings you're feeling. And immediately the student was like, this child was like, you mean I'm not the only one that feels like this? And he said, no, honey, you're not the only one. About everyone around you in your seventh grade is feeling the exact same way you are symptoms could be different you feel like you can't breathe but for some they might be breaking out in rashes you know Mm -hmm. for some their hair might be falling out For some they can't focus they feel like they can't focus so their grades are struggling but here's what i want you to hear is the validation that you are not alone in this with all the reinforcement that he needed to calm him down the pediatrician did not offer medication which you know that that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But this mm-hmm. said, but it was really right. the validation that you are not alone, and that it brought peace. It brought peace. It calmed him down to know that this isn't this not just me. This is a lot of other people. So here's what the the remedy was when they got in the car. This the dad, he was also a coach uh, and a teacher. Said, okay, let's talk about breathing exercises. <laughs> We're gonna talk about ways to calm ourselves down. We're gonna talk about our mood and how this can affect the way we relate to people. The right. mood, And he was like, oh, so, you know, cause he, and then the dad shared and said, you know, at the beginning of the school year, I was mm. feeling this stress too. And I wasn't that nice to be around. Remember that? Remember when I lashed out? at?
2: (laughs) (laughs) sure a lot of people are relating to that right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because we're lashing out and we don't know why, but why is because we're under stress. Right. (laughs) And we don't see a forward future right now, but there is one. And that's what's so important for all of us to hear is that there is a forward future and to calm ourselves down by using these natural techniques. And talking to your doctor, but talking to somebody that you need to talk to could just be in your own circle that you trust to help you calm down. And so that's why our our program is so effective, because we talk about a lot of emotional things in our character value program. And Dawn is here. She could talk about the adult version of that where you are talking about the internal self, not just the external self.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, I hear a lot of, you know, in the HR world, we have about a third of our members are HR managers and directors and different things. Mm -hmm. And you hear all the time about turnover retention. And I know Don's got some direct experience with some miraculous case study Mm -hmm. stuff that you guys done at a former company. I think you guys owned and managed and things. And maybe you can get into that. If not, that's fine. But, It's just amazing how when you talk about retention and and coming from the safety world, it's so funny that people actually, it's the same thing. When the best companies that have the best results in safety are the most engaging, they're the most people oriented and they establish that trust between them. And a lot of it is they have an open door policy where they, allow that communication, and they validate those feelings. Even if they don't necessarily agree with what's being said, they kind of create that relationship and they move on. But even when they disagree, there's that bridge of trust that's developed there. So, Don, let's get into you. And before we get into generational Z, because I really want to pick your brain on it, because I'm actually kind of tired of hearing about millennials because they're in their 40s now, right? And so (laughs) I just missed it. My wife's a millennial. I just missed it by two years. I, I have a little bit of Gen X and millennial tendencies, but I'm like, I've been through so many trainings. It's funny that people are still talking about it, but, let's, but Gen Z is in the workforce now. Hello. And so yeah. but before we get into that, do you want to tell people just a little bit about yourself and what you do? you got a great podcast I've been listening to, Living as a Leader and Global Priority Solutions. You do all kinds of things. So go ahead and just tell them a little about yourself. Yeah,
0: I'd love to. Thank you, Mike. Family business has been my life. So that's the first thing you probably should know is I've been in family business since I was a little girl. Like we treated our business like other people treat farms. You know, we had chores, we had things that we did like that was like business was life because mom and dad both worked all the time. And this was back in the 70s and the 80s. So that's where I was too. And so it started out in my career really young and since then worked at other places too, but have stayed a lot in family business, Yeah, have been a CEO of a company of about four or five hundred. You know, where we were doing satellite installations, maybe 1,200 homes a day all over the state of Ohio. Oh, yeah. um, so that was a lot. I have a lot of experience with, you know, safety and retention and all those things you talked about for sure. I'm a mom. I have four kids. I've got two Gen Zs and two millennials. So I have a lot of experience there. And I do a lot of research on generations and just trying to bring generations together, both in the home and in the workplace. And I write values. So that's another thing I do. I write a round table. It's called a round table methodology and it's where you can sit around a table. It's kind of the grown-up version of Tanya's Antivirus, where you can sit around a table, and we use this in a lot of businesses, but also in a lot of families and different volunteer organizations around the world. been a part of country transformation initiatives where there's 500,000, 600,000 people all in these roundtable values, where every week those are places like Guatemala, Costa Rica, Paraguay. I've even worked with a team, and I'm they're their own team and they're doing their own thing, but I've been advising a team in Ireland where they're doing a country transformation there. So all over the world, just bringing values in. So what does that mean? It's such a big term, but values, it's those crucial conversations that you were talking about how our mind thinks it's that time where we bring ourselves in alignment with a value. So So maybe it's respect, maybe it's empathy. Those are values that we talk about. Maybe it's hope, you know, hope is one of our values. And so it's that time to just sit for a minute, have some self-reflection, and have personal revelation on what could I do to grow one percent this week to become more in alignment, so that my life gets easier to manage. So anyway, that's you know we really believe in investing in people and giving people the tools they need to grow and to thrive, so their relationships are always on the upswing and not on the downturn.
2: Now let's talk about this for a minute because you guys even did Supreme Court was it Guatemala? If yes, I remember we the correctly, Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. You guys the came Supreme in and trained Court. the Supreme Court across yeah. the Supreme Court of another country. And you saw some in prison systems where literally you came and trained the prison guards, not the prisoners. That's backwards for American thinking. Well, we'll deal with the prisoners, but yeah, we're fine. No, 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 no. It's not how it works. We'll start with the top and work our way down. And what are some of the results that you've seen in the, you know, with the Supreme Court and some of the prison systems? Just real quick out there so people get an idea of the magnitude of how powerful— teaching simple values in, in an engaging yeah. type way of like a round table, can, what kind of impact it can have?
0: Absolutely, so in the prison, we were in the first place that we really got an institution, a government institution to go into was the prison of Columbia. And we're like, we're not a prison, that's, we're not prison ministry, like that's not what we do, and, and yet it's, the door was open. So uh, we went in there and we had people that went in and worked with those guards, people from Columbia. So it was people from the area, in the area that we had been working with for years who went into Colombia and trained the guards on doing round tables connected round tables and eventually what we saw happen in those prisons is that the the inmates started to recognize a difference in the guards and when they recognized that difference we want they were they said we we want what they have they wanted to get involved oh, that's so Crazy, beautiful I know.
2: i've heard it this a 100 really times is. and I, it still gets me every time i hear it
0: There's a wonderful documentary on lared.org. It's L-A-R-E-D dot O-R-G. And if you look that up and you look into the videos, you'll see the documentary on the Columbia prison system. So you can listen to that for yourself, but it really, and it's in in their own words. It's really a beautiful story.
2: So employers out there listening to this, this is not just like missions. This is not just their world. This is right here, the United States of America, right? I mean, you were the CEO of a satellite installation company for the entire state of Ohio. And you guys, I, you know, the numbers, I can't remember, but it was around, you had what, like 22, 23% retention. And then, yeah, (laughs) I I mean, a lot of people can relate to that. People may go, Oh, that's, but I mean, that's, that's pretty tough. Right. So within a year you had, you know, 75, 76, 77, turned it around, Boys Mm -hmm. leave turn around and then you started doing these hour a week round tables, just teaching basic core values well, some people say, well, that's common sense. I don't need to waste my." No, 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 no. It builds so many things. And what happened a year when you guys measured again after doing one hour roundtables with every single staff person within that year? What happened to the retention?
0: Yeah, we saw retention totally flip flop. So we've been like, we've been 75% loss, 25% retention. And we saw that flip-flop to 75% retention and 25% loss, which you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at that, that's real dollars. So we figured, and I think we were being pretty, pretty um, conservative in our estimation, is it's about $5,000 for us to onboard a technician. So when you consider that, and you've got 400 technicians, you do the math, that's a big piece of change. And that money could then be reinvested into vehicles for people, so they had better trucks to drive, into equipment, into salaries, into benefits. I mean, there was a lot that we were able to do with that and really help turn some things around. It's not the answer for everything. I mean, there's things in industries that are really tough these days. Mm -hmm. And we all know when you study out generations, as we move into millennials and especially into Gen Zs, we don't have that same thought that I'm going to be at a company for 40 years (coughs) until I retire. Mm -hmm. You know, our thought is we're going to be maybe for five years. We expect to have maybe five or six careers now. Mm -hmm. And so it's very different. So I don't want to oversell, but it can really make a difference because of, I think the biggest thing is that people feel they are engaged. When they yeah. ask people why they leave employers, or, you know, a lot of it, they'll say, oh, it's the leadership. Okay. And when you dig a little further in, it's that people are not engaged. And so when you're able to engage them in the round table, because you said teach, and I appreciate that, but we're really not teaching it. What we're doing is we're facilitating. We're sitting around a table. We're talking about Mm -hmm. a concept and every person contributes and then has a time of self-reflection. How how do I fall on this? How well am I doing with this value of respect? What are the benefits I can gain if I raise my rating? Who do I know that's affected me positively? And what is a simple action that I can take this week that I'm measuring? it's a smart goal you know it's specific it's measurable it's achievable it's it's Mm -hmm. all those things time bound relevant time bound so all those things tanya all those things you've got that you and so that's what we're looking how do we help people even set a goal how do we set them up for a win how do they you know so we did roundtables i remember i had someone else facilitate them it was one of my co-trainers because i'm a trainer for the company so one of the co-trainers and I said, well, why don't you come in and do it? Because it was one of our companies and I thought it would be good. And he's wonderful. And So Bernie came in to do the roundtable and he said, okay, so how do you want me to set this up? How do you want me to talk about the problems you're having? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That's not what this is about. This isn't about talking about our problems or trying to get people on board. This is about taking a few minutes to invest in these people every week because they're investing a huge part of their lives in this company. So how can we give back? How can we invest in them? Yeah, it'll make the company better, but guess what? It's going to make their life better. They make better choices, not just here. Because so many times I saw when people were making not so great choices at work or doing things I wish they weren't doing, when I found out the rest of the story, there was so much more involved in their personal life. And if right. I could help them out at that level, and not by telling them what to do, but by allowing them a few minutes of self-reflection and self-revelation, that mm-hmm. is huge. Huge. People felt like, I cared about them. People felt like the company cared about them and it made a huge difference in their engagement.
2: Probably four or five, six years ago, because I went through your guys' training back in 2012. Tanya and I were talking about that earlier. I did this presentation and I had some local business leaders in there and I took up, you know, I told them your story and the success rate you had with retention. And, you know, I saw the look on their face like, why couldn't give up an hour a week? And I'm like, why knew you were going to say that? So look at this chart. And I made a bar graph of, the average cost of turnover, and I based it on this lowest average, which you mentioned, and according to Sherm and some of the research I did back then, five thousand was probably the lowest rate of turnover I think for an eight dollar an hour employee, which most minimum wage now I think is over that as far as maybe not in every state, but like most people are making you know I think Walmart are paying twelve thirteen bucks an hour now, so most people are making way over that, and if you compare that cost of turnover, if you took an hour a week at someone and i did I think I did eight bucks an hour. Fifteen and twenty and twenty-five, just to kind of give them a scale of what the turnover would cost annually. Because some of our employers they were having had a sixty percent turnover. You know, Ooh. they're losing sixty percent of their staff. You know, in steel companies and different things. And some of that's going to be industry related because you know the type of work they're doing. But still, I put it on there and I'm like, if you go through, it was funny because you you look it up and the cost of the wage to have them sit an hour a week in round table that they thought, well, I can't pay them. I'm going to lose all this money. They actually save money on the turnover cost, at least going out two or three years. And it was amazing. <laughs> they were like, whoa, I never thought about it.
0: And we've worked it out too, where you don't have to take the full hour. If you take a smaller group, 30 minutes, yeah, five people, 30 minutes. And that's very doable in companies. 30 minutes. I mean, we waste that amount of time every day for sure. Oh, you know? Yeah. And so if we get people more engaged, if we just even forget retention, let's just get it turned around so that we're not wasting so much time that we're more productive. If we can turn it into productive time, into team time, one thing is it builds trust. And, you know, I don't know how many people out there have read The Speed of Trust. Great book. But The Speed of Trust talks about how we lose so much time because we don't trust. One story I love is like 9-11. They talk about how, you know, when nine eleven happened, that changed mm-hmm. the way our airports run. And all of a sudden, we needed more security. We needed right. more everything to go. Now now it takes a lot longer to get to the airport. If you think back to the olden days before right. 9-11, we'd zip, zip right through, Right. If you had 20 minutes to get to your plane, you thought you had a lot of time, you know? And, and it's not like that anymore. And it, it costs them so much because they never thought, they trusted that passengers on an airplane would never want to blow the airplane up. And when right. that changes, when that trust was lost, everything took longer and costs more. And it's the same way in our businesses. When you lose trust, it takes longer and it costs more. Even if you don't see it, it's there. You really sit back and examine it. So that time to build trust, if it's 30 minutes a week, to build trust between people, it more than pays
2: off. So let's talk about Gen Z now. This is relevant, you know, going into what Tanya talked about earlier and the employment stuff you're talking about. You know, so we have that hybrid thing we're trying to do today of like, we want to talk about work. We also want to talk about personal life because those things kind of balance and affect one another. So what are the characteristics of Generation Z? Because they're in the workforce. What are they up to about age 23 now? They were born in what, 1997, mm-hmm. I, I think is the- Yep, about 1997 about right, yeah. So what are some of the characteristics of generational Z and how are they different from millennials? Because a lot of, I think a lot of us older folks are, that are baby boomers or Gen Xers, we kind of lump millennials and Gen Z together, but there's similarities, but there's a lot of differences, aren't there?
0: There are. You know, one of the big differences when it comes to work is to understand people's work views, okay? It's like in compensation and things. Mm-hmm. So when you look at- You know, we go from like, say the baby boomers, they, they live to work. Okay. Go to Gen, Gen X. It's work life balance. You move to millennials. They work to live. Now, when you get to Gen Z, that is totally thrown out. It's not even about work anymore. It's ideas. It's ideas are capital. It's not even about work. The work thing isn't about work. It's about ideas. And that's been reinforced by people like, Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, all those people that they come up with this idea, you know, watch Shark Tank. That's it it for you, you know, come up with an idea and this is how you can make money. So ideas are currency for Generation Z. So right there, when you think of it that way, you start out at a way different place. You're looking at people who value creativity and diversity in a much greater way than what generations previous have, including millennials. So before it used to be said, oh, Gen Z is millennials on steroids. I think Gen Z and Millennials are very different. Very different. Gen Z has a much more conservative approach. They're not as positive. They're not as optimistic as Millennials, which if you're a millennial, you think, I'm not that optimistic. Well, compared to Gen Z, you may be. Mm -hmm. So there's some things there that are really, and and there's some key values too, because Tanya was talking about values, key values for Gen Z. They really need the understanding of a couple, which is boundaries and resilience yeah. those are two that are critically needed in yes. gen z that they're missing a lot of they're parented differently you know i was parented i'm, I'm gen x i i am was parented by a trainer now the gen z's they say their parents are snowplow parents so you went from trainers to nurturers i'm a nurturer because i'm gen x right now my millennials millennials are looked at as helicopters like they'll kind of swoop in you know to help things out and then you move to gen z and they've been parented by snow plows. That means clear every obstacle. Mm. Make the way clear for them so they have no stress. And I think that's happened because as we were talking earlier about, I heard you and Tanya talking about all the stresses that there are. Because I could list those stresses and go on for days. They're dealing with so much more than what mm. I dealt with because yeah. of the internet, because of just exposure to things that they're probably really not ready emotionally to deal with. That is the mm-hmm. parent, because I'm a parent of a Gen Z'er. And do I see myself treating my Gen Z different than my millennial? Uh Uh-huh. I more was a helicopter, but I was. I mean, I fit the description perfectly. I helicoptered my millennials. I'd swoop in when I thought they needed saving. But the Gen Z, I'm always trying to look, how can I make this the clearest way? Because I have a daughter who struggles with anxiety and she's already at the max all the time. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, what can I do to make this easier? But because of that, there's some things relationally that have been stagnated, you know, you're there's other generations we can talk face to face, we can communicate with our words better. But when it comes to Gen Z, you know, things that make them comfortable are texting. So I just look at simple things with Gen Z with businesses and say, okay, let's look at first of all, how are you recruiting? Are you using technology in your recruiting? What does your training process look like? Are you using all these different things that they're used to seeing in school? Are you utilizing that? Are you throwing them some pieces of paper that have been copied 400 times and you can barely read anymore and say, here's your training manual? There's some real practical things that come in with that, too, when you look at Gen Z in the workplace. You have YouTube videos for them to look at. Do you have this, the different interaction? the things that they're used to having at school? And that's the other thing is you have to think about how school works. In school, they are dealing a lot now with what we're doing right now. You know, we are doing a podcast through like a Zoom module, okay? Mm-hmm. They're doing that kind of stuff in school. 2020 has changed. how they look at school, how they look at everything. And so because of that, when those things are lacking in the workplace, Mm -hmm. if the workplace is outdated, if we haven't done any kind of a facelift lately, if we haven't rebranded, like if we are stuck, well, yeah, we've had the same logo Mm -hmm. since 1972, and we're proud of that. They don't see that as a good thing. Right. They see that as a place that is never going to change, is not willing to accept ideas, doesn't want to move forward. So you have to look at that and think, wow, okay, I've got to really rethink my whole program here.
2: So one of the characteristics I've read just real briefly, the little bit of stuff I have looked up on Gen Z, financially, they're completely different. Like you said, they're more conservative, aren't they? They lived through the housing market crash, 2008, eight nine. that era, and seen their parents struggle through that. So now as adults, they tend to, from what I've read, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, they tend to gravitate toward financial security, more than more meaningful work that millennials preferred. Yes.
0: So, I think that's very true. I mean, I think they would like to have the meaningful work, but they are more, I look at, I've got a Gen Z son who just got married a week ago. And so my Gen Z son that just got married, he and his wife are very focused on the basics. Like they feel very much like a builder, like my grandma. Okay. It's, yeah. it's focusing on, I want to have the security so that my life can be okay. Cause they're a little traumatized. And so they're feeling like I need to, like they are they have a little apartment, something they can manage, you know, they're like very on board for tiny houses. and Almost like minimalism,
2: right? Almost like mm-hmm, minimalism. Very much. I've seen a yeah. lot of them have, they almost have a minimalistic type mentality, but then they'll spend, they'll buy a little more higher end stuff, like a Patagonia yeah. sweater or something, but they won't, they won't have more than one or two of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah Whereas know- my generation, we got closets, we need... <laughs> house size clauses to fit our stuff in it's a little yeah. bit different right
1: but very eco-friendly like they want there's a, a high mm-hmm. priority on the ecosystem for sure right yeah and so if it's made in america if it's made with organic material they'll spend more to have it but have less
0: right it's yeah. so like i want the electric sonic hair toothbrush and my son wants the bamboo toothbrush
2: because the bamboo <laughs> i did not even recyclable. know there was such a thing i did not even know that yes they even 100. have
0: them in Walmart now. I was shocked. I thought they were only on Amazon. <laughs> I went to Walmart to buy toothbrushes and I'm like, huh, they have those here now. But I noticed like, you know, they're very conscious of, you know, he stopped by and it's like, oh, we're on our way to take our recycling over. We're da-da-da. It's like they are very eco-conscious. And yeah. that's a bit, it's something that's drilled into them since they were little through things sure. like Nickelodeon, Disney. Right. Those places were drilling that into them. And so now it's very much a part of who they are because it was a part of their um I always say that generations are made up of parents, politics, and pop culture. And recycling and understanding taking care of the earth and being conscious of your uh, your footprint, those are things that are part of their pop culture. And, and I think so that's, it's very much a part of who they are.
2: That's what's so important about what you guys do. Tanya, you're starting at a younger age. I think as early as you can get the better and you know, what you do with the Dolts on it just goes through the whole process, the whole lifespan because I notice at forty two my value system has changed and my priorities have shifted. In My 20s it was all about making money, get my career going. And then I got in my 30s. I'm like, I wanted to be happy and do something meaningful and find purpose. And now that I found all those, now it's it's a completely different objective. It's much more relationship based than it was in my 20s and 30s. And so some of that is a stage of life, but I just like how it's there. And those universal principles that you guys talk about in all those characteristics, they don't shift through those stages. They're relevant to every single stage. It's a beautiful thing. So we're approaching on the holidays. One of the biggest areas of stress for a lot of people, you know, I hear this all the time. I have to remind them because we don't, I kind of cut a lot of that out. We do Thanksgiving with friends. And so there's not like the crazy uncle that nobody likes that makes everyone mad. We, we don't really deal with that. So we kind of dealt with that years ago. But one of the hardest things is communicating through those different generations. And, you know, with politics and the everything going on, it it just, there's a lot of flammable things that could happen. What are some tips that you guys give and I don't know if, Tanya, you want to jump in here first, and, and then, Don, you can answer as well. What we come in here is, and it's not just focused on parents, but just overall, how do we handle the holidays from people that are different than us? We'll just keep it that simple.
1: You know, we talk about just having a peaceful atmosphere because a lot of students really struggle with ha- uh, That's their huge. lives having yes. a peaceful atmosphere. So really, it's not igniting negative thinking or igniting even hateful, ill talk between your siblings. Like... Right. Not engaging that, like, yeah, avoiding that engaged. hero,
2: victim, villain, that drama triangle is huge. Right, right, <laughs>
1: right. And so it's like disengage, mm-hmm. go, retract, go to your room, and find things that bring you happiness and bring you peace. And so I, you know, whether it's writing, it's listening to positive music. We do have to be really clear about listening to positive music because some music won't help you. It'll right. make you more strifeful, and you know, hateful. And so whether it's getting outside and going for a walk, you know, so those are those things that we talk to the students about over the holiday season, because that's something that is hard for other students to recognize. Some students are, yay, break, we get to go home. And for some students, it is the nightmare that they are dreading is yeah. to go home for two weeks. So it's also just like disengage, find the things, and stay in the things that keep you happy. And so Dawn can share some other things that she has
0: experienced. Yeah, I would say it's really important to determine what you can control. So when I look at that, I say, okay, I can control my attitude. I can control my response. I can control my hope. Those are the things I have control over. And so looking at that and saying, I'm gonna choose what and how I engage with people. So I'm not gonna be the one, I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna bring up those things that flare up a little, you know, fight or argument or discontent. I want to be there to sow seeds of hope, to let people know what I appreciate them. Like I look for ways to add value to people. How do I appreciate people? How do I love on them the best? How do I speak their love language? So that's one thing. The second thing is, what can I do to keep conversations and things pleasant? So I know at Thanksgivings we've had conversation cards where each person answers questions about themselves. We go around the dinner table, talk about things, what you're thankful for, whatever those things are. But that has been really helpful in setting some boundaries to direct our conversation. If you are looking for ways to show gratitude and what we like about each other or something about our past, like give a, you know, what's your best memory from Thanksgiving's past? What's your best Christmas memory? What's your, you know, and look for the best and try to encourage that talk about the best things rather than the worst things. You have that ability to control the flow of conversation to some degree. And so those are some things that I look at and say, you know, to really look at how do I love well. How do I listen more than I talk? And how do I help direct towards positive conversation?
2: That's real good. It's sometimes easier said than done, but it's really not. I mean, it seems like we get overwhelmed thinking, oh yeah, it's easy to say, then I got to try and I fail, but it really is that simple. And so Donnie made me think of um, my old friend, he was a principal now, but when he was trying to get his teaching career going. He was a great coach, so all the schools liked to have him hang around, but they didn't quite have a spot for him in the teaching position yet, so they would make positions for him and try to find what things would open up, and so for a couple years, they put him with delinquent kids, like in school suspension, I think, and uh, at first, I think he said he was just like, oh, what am I doing? This is terrible, and he got in there, and he said, you know what I discovered He's like, these kids have terrible home lives. And if I just treat them like people, it's like at first I have these attitudes. And I just look at him like, hey, dude, good trying to be a tough guy. I'm not here to like insult you. I ain't trying to get you in trouble. You're cool with me. I'm cool with you. And he started just having a conversation. And so when new delinquent kids would come in and they weren't familiar with them, they would like attack them, You know, that not physically, but they would just spout, you know, cuss them out and and the other students he had a relationship with would actually put them in line. They would stick up for him. Like, you don't talk to him like that. A culture kind of came about that. And I've done a lot of work with homeless populations of all ages, different genders, most recently homeless veterans. And what's crazy is, and it's, it's easy to understand when you think about it, but a lot of people miss you know, the forest for the trees. But a lot of them lash out, okay? A lot of them have like these extreme attitude or behavioral issues or could become physically violent and all that stems from most of the time is a feeling of powerlessness. And so what I noticed, it may be extreme with the homeless, What I noticed that is after I had that experience and I would go to like a holiday or birthday party and I would watch family engage with each other, I noticed the people that typically lash out or have bring more confrontation or they poke people to have a confrontation is because it's really a reaction out of that feeling of powerlessness. When they feel like they don't have any value to the table, they isolate. And if they can't isolate, then they'll come and try to provoke and it almost feels them comforting because it gives them a sense of control, even though it's toxic.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's something that you're just all of your language that you're talking about reminds me of something that I would talk to the students about, and especially during the holidays, because we're a ten week unit. And usually, if we start at the beginning of the year, we're starting to tighten up now. We're starting to shut down before of the holiday season. But before the Thanksgiving, the holiday season comes, we would talk about the value of self control. And of course, we think of self control like uh, pushing nobody, the plate number, away
2: from dessert is what i think of. <laughs> okay.
1: number one nobody yeah. likes control right. and number two nobody likes to control yourself so you don't like yeah. control yourself <laughs> i don't want to be controlled by anybody especially especially myself right but what i thought this was very fun for the students is we thought of a, a, a good illustration to show the students is to is to take a tree okay and the benefits out of self-control would be what? So if it's pushing a plate away, right? If it's getting out and exercising, I just got to go do it, right? But the benefits of self-control can be peace because I'm going to control the words that come out of my mouth. Right. right. And when I control the words that come out of my mouth, I can maybe have more joy or togetherness in my family. In your mind space, you can be healthier by being kind. It's a better well being and a more of a calmness. So really, so I took my, my pen here and I pencil and I drew, drew a little picture. So self-control is the trunk of the tree. The branches, right? We had a windstorm last night. So we all had just windstorm. There are branches in my backyard because of this windstorm. What's a branch disconnected from the tree? It's nothing. It's going to be lifeless. But mm-hmm. if you have the trunk of the tree, if there's the, the benefits of, of life. And so self-control is the trunk of the tree. Mm-hmm. And if you want good byproducts out of your life, right? Joy, peace, kindness calmness, togetherness, love, being healthy, a wholeness, well-being. You have to stay anchored to the trunk of the tree. It's controlling yourself. So that's what it reminded me of when you were talking about your coach. And that's what it is. It's it's us controlling our own processes and our own responses in order to get the, the benefit that we want.
2: Yeah, not to get spiritual, but my church for a long time, one of our leaders coined the phrase seat of peace. S-E-A-T, Seat of Peace. And we would kind of hold each other accountable to where we see people getting aggravated or frustrated, their kids or wife or something, spouse, whoever it was. And we'd be like, Hey, coming out of your seat. We'd smile. That was a trigger. They knew that was a cue that's saying, okay, yeah, you're right. And kind of losing self-control a little bit starting to get frustrated. And what that does is it keeps people powerful and it reminds them they do have self control over their emotions. And so a lot of times when we're engaging employees, and we're also engaging someone at holidays or that we may not be around or that may be disengaged with us a lot of times is making them feel safe, making them feel comfortable and bring value. And what happens is that feeling of powerlessness that they entertain in their mind starts to come down a little bit. And now they begin to engage. And sometimes it just takes that, like Don mentioned earlier, and you mentioned on the podcast with Mike, I can't remember exactly how you guys were, but it's on a deeper sense of listening. And literally just hear what they're saying. And a lot of times if we just quit trying to listen to respond to someone, but actually let me read between the lines. What are they really saying? Because usually when someone has an issue, you know, I, in my own life, I say like this, if I have an issue with one person, it could be their fault. Two people, it may be their fault, probably mine, but three people, it's definitely me. I'm mad at everybody or I'm critical. You know what I mean? And so if I see people lash out, even people that I love and I respect, and they're not toxic, but maybe they're having a bad day. But if I see them start to pin out two, three or four things, then I know there's something deeper between the lines. It's like, okay, let me read through this. Let me have a deeper level of listening and re-engage this conversation to really see what's going on. And sometimes we could reach in there and treasure hunt, so to speak, and pull out some treasure. And when we do that, it kind of shifts the whole attitude, doesn't it?
0: It really does. You know, I was just thinking too, I wanted to let your listeners know that if you go to globalpriority.org and you scroll down the page, so it's globalpriority.org, you scroll down, you'll see a big green banner and put in a couple of information and you can get a free round table booklet. And it's our values, it's the connection book. And we kind of put that together for during COVID. And it starts with connection, then it's got listening and restraint. It has hope, it has self-esteem, and it has forgiveness. And I think those are really powerful values yes. as you come into the holiday time. Because when you were talking about listening at a deeper level, so much of that listening is tied in with our restraint. You know, I was thinking about, like my daughter, I mentioned she's a lot of anxiety and we're dealing with things. and. I was just doing the round table of restraint and we did listening first then we did restraint and I was thinking about it really, I had this realization, problem probably we we're having is that I don't hold the space for her to respond. So yeah, I ask the question, good. she's quiet, yeah. so then I start filling in the blanks for her. So are you feeling like blah, 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 is it bothering you because blah, 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 like all the things I think I know about her because she's my daughter. I start filling in the blanks and I just had to really commit to hold the space. Just ask a question and let it be uncomfortable. Be willing to wait for her to be ready to respond and don't fill in the blanks for her. And that made a huge difference for us. Like I saw a 180 turnaround the next day. And so I just know those are the things that I would really suggest to people to go check those out. You can do round table with other people or even read just read through the material to give yourself that touchstone to go back to. You know, how do I listen well? How do I restrain my tongue? How do I remember that there's life and death in the words that I speak? That I can speak life or I can speak something that really hurts somebody, something that I can't even see. You know, We're talking about restraint and somebody in my roundtable said, you know, a lot of times you say things and you can't even see the devastation that you left behind, but that doesn't mean it wasn't there. And so, you know, I'm like, those are the things of look at that. And then hope is in there, which I think is fabulous self-esteem, because I think a lot of what you were talking about with that, going back to that self-control and your friend who's the coach that would have the kids, is that a lot of those kids, their self-esteem has really suffered. And Mm -hmm. that when we have a healthy sense of who we are and we understand our why, we know our purpose, it is so much easier to be peaceful, to feel that confidence that we're moving forward, to have hope. When we lack our self-esteem, then a lot of things start to go down the tubes with it. So I think those are, in then forgiveness because, you know, we all make mistakes mm-hmm. and we all, we all need forgiven and we all probably need to forgive somebody. It's as
2: simple as that. Absolutely. We have to prevent villainizing, especially, you know, employees, especially family members around the holidays. It's Mm -hmm. so easy because maybe we've dealt with certain attitudes for years and we just jump right on that drama triangle. And someone's always going to be a hero once you're on there. Someone's always going to be a villain. Someone's always going to be a victim. And it just switches. You'll switch to every single piece of that thing and it'll just cause drama and drama and drama to expand. And so you need restraint, like you said, to stop yourself when issues or challenges come up to you you know, we see it in politics all the time. Everyone that disagrees, we demonize and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I catch myself getting to it and teach this stuff, right? (laughs) And we get caught up, Mm -hmm. we're like, wait a minute, I'm breaking my own rules here. Then I have to like kind of step back and realize that they're not bad. They just have a different perspective. Don, is there anything else you like to promote? Any other resources you go? I want to recommend your podcast, Living Like a Leader, right? iTunes, it's out there in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, probably how can they Yes, find it's it? on pretty much every platform.
0: Yeah, if you look us up, it's Living Like a Leader, Global Priority Solutions, and we are available on pretty much every platform. Any podcast platform that you listen to, you can probably find us on.
2: I like to think it's great for daily devotional. I don't even mean that from a spiritual sense, but if you're just looking, hey, I just want to remind myself of some things that I really believe in and kind of reinforce that, that's a great podcast. So, Tanya, what about Antivirus Youth?
3: Yes,
1: you can go to antivirusyouth.org to check out more of our information. If you would like to... Get our program into your school systems or private school, homeschool, whatever's working for you right now, we have resources available to do that. So you can check that out.
0: If you're interested and you want to know more about the roundtable process itself, if you go to globalpriority.org, not only can you download that free book, but we also do trainings. We do virtual trainings where we work with people on becoming facilitators of roundtables. If you think, I think I might like to do that, we do trainings at least once a month where we take an hour and a half for four days and we train people on facilitating roundtables. And I've had many people tell me even, like I've worked a lot with Maxwell coaches and different people like that who are like, you know what, this facilitator training has made me better at facilitating all my other trainings too. So I just encourage people to check that out. So we'd love to have you check out our organization and see the things that we do. I also, you know, if anybody's interested in knowing more about Generations, that's something that I do a lot of speaking about and helping with and we touched on it today But you know, there's just so many things you look at how does that affect us? You know, how does each generation view their work? How does each generation view their finances? How do they view everything from the work environment that they need to what is the biggest fear? And so I think those are helpful things to know. Yeah, it's a generalization, but it really helps when we're kind of trying to develop programs and create a a team, when you're trying to build that team. So I just encourage you to just check me out, come find me. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Global Priority, you can contact me through there. But I love to help people figure out how to make things work better. It's about making life work.
2: Don, we need to get you to come on one of our webinars for our safety council program and where we have, you know, like I said, we're about 30% HR, 30% safety, 15 and 20% CEOs, of local employers that come in. We do it twice a month now. Give you like 40 minutes to kind of hit all of it and without interruption, just get interviewed. That'd
0: be great. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be be awesome.
2: So ladies, thank you again, everybody out there. Thank you for listening. Hey, engage with your family this holiday season, engage with your employees, talk to them about stress, talk to them at the water cooler if you're a person, if not, set up a Zoom meeting, just even one-on-one, just connect with people's faces again, just any way you can and really just, you know, I think it was like 37% of our members we just surveyed about stress, that loneliness is a factor that's making them stress. So 37%, I mean, that's a pretty big number. So be blessed, stay safe from COVID, stay safe in your work activities and just engage and be happy.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Mike.